This is Radio Influence, podcasting redefined. Welcome back to the Lawfather podcast. As always, we're here in Lawfather headquarters in the podcast studio. And uh, you know, please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Your feedback is always appreciated, good and bad. And uh, follow us on all of our social media. Those of you uh, following along on Instagram Live and uh, even maybe even watching the video on Instagram later, uh, appreciate all of you. And uh, let's get started with... A little bit of a follow-up, if you will. Um, follow-up, but not necessarily truly a follow-up per se. Uh, last week, we talked about the uh, gambling bill and, or the, the, the gambling contract and how that could come to pass. And we talked about that the legislative session had ended and there was a special session last week. And that special session was just for uh, the, the gambling contract to see if it could be ratified, uh, which it was. Uh, so there are some uh, some hurdles now on the federal level that have to be crossed. Uh, the Department of the Interior, which is a division of the federal government, will take a look at it. And uh, I'm sure there'll be plenty of legal challenges. So uh, probably something to follow as we look into the future, but to kind of parlay off of that, I want to look into how does something become law and not necessarily like the, the gambling compact, because that's, that's a really unique thing, right? The, the whole concept behind how that comes about is is its own separate thing. Okay. What I want to look into is the laws that we have, how do they come about and how do they get there, right? What is the process that is used for a concept or an idea to become a law, all right? So here's how it works, right? So you start with, you thought with, you start with this thought, okay? And we'll use a real-life example and we'll use one that has been really pertinent to us uh, as a personal injury law firm is the repealing of the PIP law. Okay. So this would have actually been, how did this law come about? And then how were they changing the law? It would have been, it, it would, it's one in the same type process. Okay. So you have a citizen or a, a group. Uh, so think maybe a, a lobbyist or a, um, you know, a special interest group or a legislature, uh, excuse me, a legislator may have an idea or a thought or um, wanting to do something. So that's where it starts. And it then gets pushed to a representative. So obviously, if it's a representative's idea, they can take and they can pitch it themselves. Uh, if it's, you know, just a, a, an individual or if it's a it, if it's a group, obviously it needs to get to one of the elected, whether it's the House of Representatives or Senate. All right. So before we get too deep into it, either House in Florida can introduce a bill. So the House of Representatives can introduce a bill and the Senate can introduce a bill. All right. Um, it, it really, it, it doesn't matter. Either one can start the process. All right. And those people who are in those positions are elected by the citizens of Florida. So the representative introduces the bill and that bill then gets drafted. And how does it get drafted? Well, they actually have a drafting service, a bill drafting service that is used to write and review all bills. And, and these things 
they're generally long, all right? Um, generally written by lawyers. Uh, there's, uh, I would estimate that most or at least the majority of your elected officials uh, are lawyers. Um, I, I know that there generally is kind of the, the career path, right? Um, so lawyers like to put a lot of things in. They like to use a lot of words and make things really long and complicated uh, to the point that I read some of these things and I go, I don't really understand what the heck you were trying to do. Why are we making this so complicated? Right? Um, look at the IRS code. Try to figure that out. So um, anyway, that it's written and then it gets a number and is filed. Okay. And so it then moves, like I said, it can be in either house. So it starts in one. So let's say this bill starts in the House of Representatives. There's what's called a first reading. And uh, it it has to be read out to the, um, to, to the, uh, the, the full house. And it's usually done, the first reading is usually done by publication in the journal. And the journal is something for the House of Representatives. And it's then referred by the speaker. It's referred to a committee, a subcommittee, or a calendar of the House. Right. So it's not that it goes to the full House for a vote. There's a lot of steps in this process. Right. So you hear it all the time. You hear these subcommittees. Right. Um, you know, there, there's various different ones. There's all different types. Now, this subcommittee is then going to look at that bill and make one of three determinations. And this is one of the few places where the process somewhat differs, uh, not necessarily in process, but in names between the House of Representatives and the Senate. So the three options, if it's a bill introduced by the House, is that the committee or subcommittee marks it as favorably. All right, it moves on. Uh, number two option is it's favorably with recommended committee or subcommittee substitute. Meaning they made some changes to it, but they're good with it based on those changes. It moves on. The next, unfavorably. All right, pretty self-explanatory. The Senate follows the same thing, but they call it a little something different. Okay, they have favorably, which, you know, moves it on. They have favorably with amendments. Why they feel like they need to have favorably with recommended um, committee or subcommittee substitute and favorably with amendments, considering it means the same thing. I'm not really sure. But, hey, you know, we, we are long on tradition when we're talking about um, the legislature. So, uh, and then number three, we have unfavorably, right? Once again, still self-explanatory. That's about the only place that, you see a difference, all right? So it's then placed, if it if it is either option one or option two, favorably, or we'll just call it favorably with changes, right? Um, to kind of encompass both of them. It moves on to a house calendar and, and the rules and policy committee may place a bill on a special order calendar for a consideration in the chamber. Uh, it is then read, uh, in, or excuse me, it then has its second reading. And then after that, it has its third reading, right? Uh, it is uh, then voted on. And if it's passed, it goes to the, the opposite house. So if we're working in the House of Representatives with this example, it moves on to the Senate secretary. And the Senate then follows the same process. 
they well except for the the idea part in the beginning they just take that bill that the house has sent over to them and they read it and they send it to a subcommittee and that subcommittee favorably favorably with changes or unfavorably moves it through second reading third reading vote okay now the the senate can then return it to the house with changes right and uh, so if we use a little bit of the example that we talked about in the beginning the repeal of the pip statute here in florida and how that came about that one started in the senate and then the house went through the process so it passed the senate right one two three reading uh subcommittee vote goes to the house of representatives and the house of representatives made changes right they made amendments to it and then it got sent back to the senate to try to reconcile those changes right um so as we move through uh if it doesn't have any amendments so the the process comes to a v here uh if there's no amendments then and it passes the senate right in our example we started with the house passed the house then it passed the senate then it goes to the governor right the governor can do one of three things and, and it's kind of interesting and you know it's essentially if you i guess you could say politics at work um you know and and um, but the governor can sign the bill the governor can refuse to sign the bill or the governor can veto the bill right so what happens in those situations well if the governor signs the bill that's the easiest it becomes law done game over it is now a law the house has passed it the senate has passed it and the governor has signed off if the governor does not sign the bill it then goes to the secretary of state and the secretary of state enacts it as law right so option one and option two have the same result okay so even though the governor doesn't sign off on a bill and as we were talking about an option two it, it has an expiration date and it's a little bit convoluted but just keep in mind that there is an expiration date it's a short period um it's one of those where if this happens and this happens and it's this time and if that happens and that happens and it's it's another time um really not not anything that we need to worry about um but you know as we're talking about signing of things just know that you can actually go on um, the state of florida websites and see which bills are up for signing and uh how they have become law or how they've been vetoed right in terms of what the governor did so if it if the governor just lets it sit on his desk right and, and we'll use him because we have a male governor desantis right now uh, but if we had a female governor you could sit on her desk um but either way it, it sits on the governor's desk and the governor goes i'm not signing because wow hey that bill hey that's a political firestorm if i sign it i'm gonna make people mad if i don't sign it i'm gonna make you know a same number of people people equally as mad so i'm just gonna let it sit here right and let the legislator legislature deal with the blowback right so then it it, it expires and it goes to the secretary of state and it still becomes law okay now the only other way then the only other choice rather that the governor has is to veto the bill right so if a governor goes i just don't like that bill and i don't want that bill to pass i don't want it as part of law vetoes it signs off veto uh, it then can actually go back and with a two-thirds vote of the house and of the senate it can actually become law 
right, without the governor's signature, over it overrides the governor's veto. Okay, so that's what what that is. That's that's how it can come about. So even though the governor has a lot of power in signing or not signing a bill, if they veto a bill, it can still be overridden. Uh, Two thirds vote is a lot, uh, and and actually. You can track all of it, right? So you can actually see what bills have come up in a given session, and you can see how the votes went, right? So if we use uh, the PIP part as an example, uh, if the governor had vetoed it, most likely it still would have passed, right? And by the PIP part, I mean the the PIP repeal that we've talked about a couple of times. Uh, The votes were there. Uh, I didn't do the, the actual math on it, but based on what I could see, it was pretty overwhelming. It looked, it appeared to be far more than two thirds uh, voted for both in the Senate and in the House voted for the repeal. Uh, you know, can't, I, I couldn't find it. Okay? I couldn't find the status of it. So seemingly it got pulled from the governor's desk somehow. I don't know. That's beyond uh, above my pay grade, if you will. Um, but be that as it may, you can see what a bill has done and then when it got to the governor's desk. So if a governor vetoes a bill, you can start to make some assumptions as to if that bill will actually pass in a veto, in a veto vote. All right. So that's what happens if there's no amendments, uh, if there are amendments to it. So we went through that whole process with the house, it went to the Senate, the Senate made some amendments to it. Um, if the house of representatives, goes, hey, yeah, we're okay with the Senate amendments. Same process, goes to the governor for signature, just like we talked about. Uh, it could go back and forth. It could get passed back and forth with amendments until both sides have something that they agree with. And that is how a bill becomes law. Now, when does a bill become effective? The official language of it is a law becomes effective on the 60th day after signed die or on a specified date or upon the governor's signature. All right. Uh, I believe it's usually July 1st or January 1st uh, here in the state of Florida. I believe those are the dates that are usually used um, in, in the state of Florida. So that is how a bill becomes a law. Right. There's your little precursor. I really, you know, truth be told, I really didn't know the process until I started looking it up for today. And I figured working in this industry and being impacted by different laws and, and different um, legislature decisions that if I didn't know, there was probably a lot of people out there who didn't know the full process and exactly how it works. So that is how it works. Now, just want to transition a little bit from laws to, uh, it's not necessarily a quote unquote listener question, but it's something that comes up from time to time. And it it has to do with laws and it has to do with another branch of the government. Okay. And, uh, it's something that came up when I was on DJ Eakin's show uh, recently. And it's something we talked about it. And it's, it's a concept that I think collectively, the more we talked about it and we, we, we had a, a pretty candid conversation, uh, even though the show's not quote unquote live, uh, it's, as, it's taped live, right? Um, and we didn't, I don't believe any edits were made to, no, and, and Jason's shaking his head, no, we did, no edits were made to our, our very candid conversation. And, and one of the things that came from it is how can we enact some change in it when it comes to interaction with law enforcement, right? And those of you who listen know 
that my background's in law enforcement. And I may look at things from a little bit different perspective because I've been on the other side of it. I've, I've, I can see both sides. I've been on that side where you have somebody that's telling you, no, they're not going to do something. And you start to question the why, right? Because you don't know. The problem is you don't know what's going on as an officer, right? You don't know what's going on in that other person's head. You don't know anything about that person, most likely, okay? There are there are times that you may know some things, and that may either help or hurt the situation, right? But that not knowing is what can make things difficult because as an officer, you, your, your alert gets heightened, right? All of a sudden, right? And, and there's there there is some kind of percentage on this that that tells um that tells the uh they call it yes people and no people right and and there is i want to say when i was working in law enforcement it was like one or two percent of the people were no people meaning that if you told somebody to do something 98 percent of the time 98 99 percent of the time they would do it okay and when you had that one or two percent it really it kind of messed with your head. And, and I think that's what gets lost here in this is we're still dealing with people, right? On both sides of it. But anyway, I digress from what I'm truly getting to. And what, what we had talked about was this. And those of you on Instagram Live, I'm going to show you, uh, and those of you who uh, are going to watch later on on the video, uh, this is a card that has the law father kind of matches the guy behind me. All right. Um, but what's the more important part is the part on the other side. Okay. And, and this is, I think, step one in what Eakin and I had talked about on that show. And it was, hey, maybe you're not sure what to do, right? Or maybe you just need a reminder, or maybe you just, maybe it's just easier to have something that you can hand off, right? That you can hand off to the officer that says, hey, I have a lawyer. I'm not talking to you. And guess what? You can't search my car, all right? Um, you know, it, it's at least a start. All right. I'm not saying that there's any one true uh, fix to this, and I'm not saying either side is to blame for some of the things. Now, look, are there some bad people on both sides? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, it's just you're dealing with people, and there's always going to be good people, and there's always going to be bad people. Right. But anyway, um, so I'll show you the backside of the card. I'm not sure those of you on Instagram live, you may be able to see it. Those of you who are going to be following along on um, the, the podcast on YouTube later, you may not be able to see it. But what it says is, I want to speak to my lawyer. I do not consent to any search. If I am not under arrest, let me go. Okay. Uh, it's pretty simple. It, it The idea is we want to take that animosity out. We want to take that, that kind of that fight out, right? That, um, that tone, the, the anything else, right? It's, it's just words on piece of paper, right? It's just saying, Hey, look, I have a lawyer and I'm not going to talk to you. I don't want to talk to you. I have a right to Miranda. Okay. Um, Miranda is actually a guy's last name. It was Miranda v. Arizona. Uh, it's a Supreme court case. That's why it's called Miranda rights. Um, but cause prior to that, which, I mean, I think that was the 60s or 70s. It wasn't all that long ago. Uh, it's been a long time since I've actually looked at that particular piece of case law. But prior to that, you really didn't have a right. You really didn't have a right to uh, to an attorney. And uh, they could pretty much do whatever they wanted. Um, not that they could do whatever they wanted, but um, you could be coerced in the statements, essentially. And what the Supreme Court 
came through and that it was said you can't right um now you have to, it has to be custodial and, and that's that's the importance here right and i think that's what a lot of people don't know is that if you're if you're free to go right the police can ask you anything and you know people don't know that they, they think they have to answer but you can actually incriminate yourself and miranda doesn't apply if you're free to go miranda only applies to custodial interviews and inter- an interview can be as simple as a single question but if you're not free to leave the situation then that single question counts as a, as a custodial interview so anyway uh we have these cards in the office you know as far as what to do if you get stopped look be compliant hey license registration insurance give them the license registration insurance they ask you to get out of the car the supreme court the united states supreme court has said over and over again, that it does not matter the reason, it does not matter the why. If an officer tells you to get out of the car, you have to get out of the car, okay? What makes things interesting on the other side of it is when you ask somebody to get out of the car and they go, no, okay? Or they start moving around or fidgeting or start reaching and and it just, that's where things tend to go bad. Okay. So I would say this, have, call me up, stop by the office, grab one of these cards. These cards are plastic. Okay. And what I'll do is if you come by the office for one of these cards or hit me up to have, have us send you one of these, uh, I'll actually give you two. These, uh, they're, they're plastic. They'll sit in your wallet. Just put it right with your license or your ID card. Right. And if you get stopped and they say, hey, let me see your license, you just pull this out along with your license and you have it. So uh, you can give one to a buddy if you ever if you get one and you need another one, just let me know. I'll give you another one. But it, it's it's it is meant to help diffuse the situation. OK, don't make a situation worse. Right. Let them know you want to speak to your lawyer. You don't consent to any search. And if you're not under arrest, let me go. All right. So. That is the podcast for today. Let me know if you want one of these cards, 855-LAWFATHER, call or text. Stop by my office, 202 South Rome Avenue, Suite 150. All right, I'm here all the time. So come in and see us. More than happy to see you, talk to you, anything else. And uh, I know we're going to be working on part two of the plan at some point um, between uh, Eakin and I. Our schedules are are pretty busy, and sometimes it's tough to match up. But we've talked about wanting to to come up with a step two. So uh, hopefully we're able to do that. But this is a start, uh, like I said. Hit me up, call me, text me, and uh, we'll go from there. Anyway, that is the Lawfather podcast for today. Check us out on all the social media avenues. All right. TikTok. Yeah, TikTok. It's kind of fun. Uh, Instagram, uh, doing some more reels here and there. So check those out as well. Uh, as always, the, the podcast will be on YouTube. And that is the show for today. Lawfather, out. <laughs>